Now, I know people think you look good all by yourself, but you know the difference. You look at yourself, you know where you would have been without Jesus, and you can say, look what the Lord has done. I know me better than you know me. Look what the Lord has done. Oh, yes. It's so important that we stop and recognize that we are not here by ourselves. The old saying goes, if you see a turtle on a fence post, one thing you know for sure, he didn't get there by himself. I assure you, the grace of God and the mercies of God are the only reasons we are here in our right mind. And I am so thankful for the mercies and the grace of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I would like everyone to be seated except... No, everyone can be seated. I was just messing with you. I am very thankful. Sister Skinner this week turns 91. Is that right? Sister Marisedge is here, and Sister Marisedge, Sister Hill, Sister Sears are all uh, well known to this church through the years. Of course, the Lord's will has happened in two of their lives. One we're still praying about that God will help her to move down to the promised land, but we're working on that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. But we are thankful for everything that God has done and the years of faithfulness. Faithfulness. You, you've got to get something inside of you that says, I'm here to stay. Now, I have, I have very purposely been preaching. I was going to say the pants off. I don't know if that's a good word to use. <laughs> of the grace of God. I have been preaching the grace of God over the last probably two months, just about every service. I have been doing everything I can to let people know that the grace of God can pick you up, help you out, set you up, that God's grace is so awesome and so powerful. But today, I want you to know that it takes more than just His grace. It takes you accepting that grace. And it takes you making up in your mind, I am here, and I'm here to stay. I want you to get some grit today. I want you to get something in your spirit that says, I'm here, and I'm here to stay. We used to sing a lot more songs. You know, nowadays, and I love the songs nowadays. I ain't bashing anything, but it's, I'm a friend of God, and oh, how exciting it is. But they used to sing more songs like, keep on the fire and line. Yeah, they used to talk about God can only use a soldier he can trust. We want to trust God, but can God trust me? Oh, it's going to be a good day here today. I can tell already. See, see, now it's all, oh, what can God do for me? But before people had a little bit of an understanding, and maybe it was a different generation that took responsibility, but I believe God needs to wake us up to, here I am, Lord, and here I will stay. I have made up in my 
mine. I remember hearing stories, and I don't have all the information uh, in front of me, but many of you would know uh, the, uh, of the, the Spanish um, um, explorers that, that came over, and one that was going for a treasure, and he got off the ship and then burnt the ships behind him. You, you look it up. Look up burning ships. He got off the ship with all of his men and burnt the ships. And they looked at him and said, how are we going to get home? And he said, if we get home, we're going on their ships. He was letting them know we're here and we're here to stay until we accomplish. I, there's just got to be something that rises up in us that it's not about, well, if it works okay for me, I'm going to stick with God, but if it don't really work the way I want it to, I might just mosey on. Come on, God can only use a soldier he can trust. I've heard, I've heard stories of battles where they would, men, not no one doing it to them, them themselves would get in a foxhole and put their knee up and tie a rope around their knee to make sure they couldn't run. Talking about just saying, I'm here, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not putting other options out there. There's something about just planting your feet and saying, I'm here, and I'm here to stay. One of the most powerful things that happened uh, it was when Rosie Parks just sat down. I'm just like, here I am. You should move. <clears throat> this one's fine with me and my feet hurt. My corns have been hurting me. Something awful. I'm staying right here. Lives are changed. When people stop just, well, well, how's the wind going today and how's things happening today? Now, I told you I've been preaching on grace, but I'm here to tell you if we don't get an attitude in our spirit that I'm here and I'm here to stay, you won't be here tomorrow, next week, next year. You won't be living for God. But if you'll get it, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going all the way, Sister Skinner. I'm going to be faithful to the end. God is faithful. God is faithful when we are not. God's just faithful. There's no one like my Jesus. And God set some things in order. And he let them know. He said, listen, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to watch out for you. I'm, I'm always going to be right there to help you through whatever obstacles are coming in your life. There was this, this attitude of God. But he did say that if you keep my commandments. He did say that, oh, that's Old Testament. No, New Testament too. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, if you want all the grace, just make sure you listen to the last few weeks. Keep my commandments. Don't just say, well, I'm going to do my own thing. Hope you're going to be happy with it. No. God reserves the right whether or not he's going to accept what you give him or not. He is not my go boy. He is not the water boy. 
He's not the one that I say, go, go for, go get me my miracle. That's not who God is. He's my God. He's not my servant. I'm his servant. He reserves the right. He reserves the right to look at Abel and Cain's sacrifice and say, I accept Abel's, but I don't accept Cain's. And this God said, listen, if you will not worship God, other gods, but you will worship me, if you will keep my commandments, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to protect you. And he did. Miraculous things would happen. The sun stood still so a battle could be fought. So many things. The, the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Red Sea, all these parted so the people of God could go through on dry ground. God was with them. But whenever they began to worship other gods... God just said, and let the world be what the world is. God don't have to do anything to anybody. He just takes that hedge around from about you and the world being what the world is. And the world's not getting any better if you haven't noticed. And so God put this in play, and, and you find through the book of Judges, where uh, judges would rise and fall, and when there was a judge leading them, the people would rally, and, and then when they, they got good and they've got peace, you know, things were going okay. I'm just going to pastor a little bit here today, if you don't mind. Uh, if you're new here, please come back when I'm nice and sweet. Uh, but I, I, have, I, have, I have seen uh, parents uh, with their youth. I've seen this through my through. through all my life, when I've paid attention to it, I was talking to our youth pastor about it. What happens with youth a lot of times is we'll have a strong youth group. The Holy Ghost is moving, and the parents would just decide, man, this is a great youth group, and they take their hands off. And all of a sudden, we have another group that comes up that ain't got no direction from their parents and, and because it's a great youth group, and then everything starts going south. And then when they do that, the parents get a hold of it. You know what happens? All of a sudden, we have another great youth group that rises up. And then after that, a lot of young uh, parents say man things are going good I'm just going to take my hands off and it's this cycle that happens I've watched it while I was youth pastor I've watched it since I've been a pastor it is a cycle when parents realize just because things are going good it's not a reason to take your hands off of your kids and say well let them just do their own thing parents we need you to stay engaged Now, I know there's a number of people out today, so I hope you're watching online or watching the DVD or hearing the audio because you need to stay engaged with your kids. Because what would happen is the children of Israel, as long as somebody, everything was going good, they were doing good, everything was going fine, but after everything started going good for a while, they would stop, they would take their guard down. They would start letting things in, and when that would happen, the enemy would attack. And then they would, everything would go bad. And then they would go, oh, no, we got to get back. And so they would climb back and get a hold of God. And you see this through the judges. And then when Samuel hit the scene, the last judge, the last prophet, um, 
far as in that era, he, 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 he came up and then they anointed a king. Saul stepped on the scene and he was king. And then David. And when David was king, David uh, amassed a great amount of wealth. A great amount of wealth he brought together. He defeated a lot of armies that were against him. Uh, he did a lot of great things. But because there was so much blood on his hands, God said, you are not going to be the one that's going to build uh, my uh, my temple, uh, and so he he stored everything up for Solomon. And so when Solomon, his son, steps on the scene, he had all kinds of wealth and everything. And and his father David had already beat down uh, all, all the enemy. And so now now when Solomon steps up, he begins to build great houses, amazing uh, places that other other uh, nations would come and they would see what he had built and the things that they had done. Uh, they would see the temple, and there was no more breath left in them it was amazing what they did and Solomon really this was considered the golden age uh, of Israel this is when everything was going great for them uh, seemed like everything was just fine but the problem was that uh, to make alliances with um, with all the different nations Solomon began to marry multiple wives he married them so he would have an alliance and so he had wife after wife after wife after wife after wife after wife after wife I'm not even close to how many wives he had Wife after wife, he would he married. It was alliances trying to uh, link up and make sure everything was going to go okay. And, and because of this, by the time he comes to the end of his golden age and his life, really Israel was what was just teetering. It, it was just really uh, it wasn't strong. It wasn't what he was handed. It it was a totally different thing. It looked good, but it really didn't have the strength to it. And because of this, you, you find that his son, uh, Rehoboam, steps on the scene. And Rehoboam was, a, uh, was Solomon's son, and, and, and he listened. He had both counsels, the old men and the young men. And the old men began to tell him, listen, you need to lighten the burdens. You need to do this. You need to do that. And so he went and counseled to the young men. And the young men, they began to say, you need to put it harder on the people. You need to really put them in place. You know, you need to pay attention who you're talking to and who you're allowing to speak into your lives. You need to make sure they have some real corn in the crib, as they say. You need to make sure that they've been somewhere, they've done something, they went through some things in life. You don't need to just say, hey, that's a good idea, I'm going to try it. You need to go ahead and talk to somebody that's been there and done that. But instead, he gets this alliance, and because of this, now the nation of Israel is divided. That's why when you read your Bible and you're trying to figure out, wait a minute, am I talking about Judea? Am I talking about Israel? What's going on? What happened is it was divided. Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Jeroboam was not a relative. It just sounds cool together. That was their real names, though, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. They became the two kings of these nations, uh, Rehoboam over Judah. And there was only two of the 12 tribes that went with him. And then with Jeroboam, there were 10 tribes that went with him, and that became Israel. But what happens to these men is they do not fear God. They do not come after God. They are not uh, surrendered to God. And so all of a sudden, this process begins to happen. And, and it doesn't take all that long for Syria to come down and wipe out the, the uh, southern kingdom. And, and take them into captivity. And, and, and uh, a number of years later, uh, the Babylonians come and take out the northern kingdom and take them captive, and they go in separate directions. And, and now they're in captivity because God told them, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm going to do it. But if you start worshiping other gods, let them protect you. 
If you're going to sacrifice to other gods, let them protect you. Let them be the one that rise up to make sure you're okay. And, and when they begin to worship other gods, God draws his hands back. The enemies come in. God didn't have to smash them. Just the world as what it was came in and began to destroy them. He took them into captivity. And so now the children of Israel are in captivity. Their, their city has been broken down. The walls have been broken down. The temple has been bro- broken down, burned with fire. And what, as you read through the Bible, you find these accounts. Of, of them in prison, of them in, in captivity, of them having a very, very rough go at it. Uh, and in the midst of it, you find the stories of Daniel. You find the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All these things happened while the children of Israel were in captivity. You're getting a little bit of a history lesson here today. They were all in captivity. Uh, but, but all of a sudden, when you get to Ezra and Nehemiah, you find the trek back to God. Now you find when they're on their way back to God. And this is what I want to talk about for the next few moments. There were basically three levels of their trip back to God that amazingly pretty much lines up with most people that come to God today. First, Zerubbabel came and rebuilt the temple. The worship. Normally the first thing that people do is start coming to church again. Start coming to the house of God. Start building that in their life. After Zerubbabel began to build it, then Ezra showed up. And Ezra was the one that was the scribe and he was a, a descendant of Aaron, uh, uh, the high priest. He was, uh, he was uh, a, an amazing man, it seems, in all accounts. And, and he really brought the law and, and, and the word of God back. And that's normally what happens. First you come to church, you enjoy the worship, but then you start getting into the word. You get into a Bible study. You, you begin to study it for yourself and you begin to find out not only is there restoration, but there's separation whenever you begin to study the Word of God. And that's what you find in Ezra. The last part of Ezra is them separating themselves whenever the law is beginning to be established in their life. Now, interesting, there was a time that Ezra and Nehemiah was uh, part of the same book, just like you have First and Second Kings. They were considered the same book uh, uh, even though it was written by different people, because it's telling the same story in progression. Because first you have Zerubbabel in the first part of Ezra that is rebuilding the temple. And then after Zerubbabel has started building the temple, Ezra comes in and begins to help do that and establish. And then Nehemiah comes to build the city and begins to put up the walls around about. And so this was the process. This is what happened. And this is what happens to most of us. There are people here that you're just starting to, should, should I come back to God. And, and it seems like one of your first steps is, is well, I'm going to go back to the worship service. I, I'm going to see if God would even accept me back. And, and that's what you find. And so Zerubbabel is, is building and they laid the foundation. It's amazing. It's just the foundation. The walls aren't up yet. But just by putting the foundation, the Bible says that they begin to shout and they begin to weep. Uh, weeping from old men that saw the glory of the old. But the new men just said, I see something 
something rising out of the dust and I'm excited about it. You know, you can get excited about the fact that I, I'm just building something here. Well, it's not very much, but you know what? I'm laying a foundation. And just the fact that I'm starting something is getting me excited. Just the fact that I'm back in the house of God is getting me excited. Just the fact that I'm able to lift my hands and say hallelujah is getting me excited. Oh, somebody that's excited, will you clap your hands for a moment? But they began to rebuild. First, we come to God. We come and we worship. There's something about worship that's so powerful. There's something about coming into the house of God and begin to magnify him that, that was so incredible. But every step of the journey, they had opposition. You're going to have opposition just showing up at church. It's amazing when you decide to go to church, especially for the first time, all hell breaks loose. Car breaks down, this happens, that happens. It's so hard to get to church, my Lord. Can't get a ride. You trying to go to the bar, everybody give you a ride. Hey, come on, let's go. Trying to get to church, like, oh, I'm busy. I can't. It's like, good Lord, I'm just trying to get to church. Because when you get here, it's powerful. And there will be opposition. Just you coming to the house of God. Just you being here and saying, oh, I love you, Jesus. The devil don't want anything to do with that. He's saying, just keep them out of the house of God. But amazingly, just being here is not what they were worried about. When they complained to the King, the powers that be at that time, Ezra 4 and 12, they were saying, Be it known unto the king that the Jews which come uh, up from the, uh, uh, to us unto Jerusalem build a rebellious and a bad city. It's a bad place. He said, You need to really, really pay attention. They have set up walls thereof. And they have joined foundations. When you begin to read through this account, they were not upset that they were worshiping. They were upset that they were building. They were not upset that they had come to worship their God. What they were worried about was, are they going to build something here? It was not, oh no, they're going to church. The devil does not want you here. But just you coming to church every now and then is not what makes the devil tremble. The devil doesn't like what Ezra did. And the people didn't when he came in and he began to establish the law. You find opposition against him. But that's not the real concern is if you open up the Bible and read it a little bit. Or you come to church and you say, well, I'm here and I'm just kind of praising the Lord a little bit. That's not what makes the enemy scared of you. But what you find... In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 2. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Syria. And said. What do these feeble Jews. 
Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap and the rubbish which are burned? This is what they're worried about. They said, listen, it's a laughing stock. They're just laughing at them and joking, but they're saying, these are the things we're concerned about. So he starts off by just trying to convince you of how weak you are. What do these feeble Jews? Do you see her coming to church? Well, can you believe she's even trying that? The devil will begin to speak to you like, do you, does she really think she's going to make Does he really think that him walking in there is going, what do these feeble Jews? The, the first thing the devil does is try to convince you of how weak you are. And I've got to tell you, you should accept it. And then go to Joel 3 and 10 and talk about them beating their uh, plowshares into swords and their pruning hooks into spears and said, and let the weak say, I am strong. What you need to do is say, that's right. I don't have the ability to do this by myself, but I've got a higher power, and when I feel like it's impossible, I've got a God that has all power, and let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak look at the devil in the eye, every doubter in the eye, and say, I'm strong through the power of God. You can put me down all you want to, but I'm going to rise up. Let the weak say... Let the weak say, let the weak say, I am strong. Don't let the devil convince you. Don't let the devil convince you there's no use to trying. If he can just keep you from trying, he's got you. If he can just, but if as long as you'll stand up, you'll find that God will stand up with you. And when you start rising, the devil starts cowering down. What are they doing? Don't they realize how weak they are? When I'm weak, the Bible says, then am I strong. The devil wants to make you feel like, I know there are people here right now. That's exactly what's been going through your brain. Yeah, I'm here, but I don't know if I really have what it takes. I'm here, but I just don't think I'm strong enough. You are. You have what it takes. It's inside of you. And when you get God inside of you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You, you need to get a hold of yourself and say, I am strong enough to do this, uh, not by myself. Uh, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit. Uh, and so here I am. Uh, I may feel weak in my body, uh, but my spirit uh, is standing within me uh, and say, I'm standing strong uh, in the power of God. Uh, and the world can try to push you down, uh, but in your spirit, uh, you need to stand back up. I re- I remember the old story. I remember the old story of the, the boy that was standing in defiance. And they said, told him to sit down. He wouldn't sit down. They kept telling him. And 
after a while, they finally forced him in his seat. And he told him, he said, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> you just need to get an attitude that, hey, I'm not, I'm not just going to take this. I'm not going to let the devil convince me I don't have anything. I, I do have something. You are worth something to God. There is something inside of you that God wants to use. You've got to realize the devil is the accuser of the brethren, not God. God's not going to point out your weaknesses. He's going to point out your strengths. God's going to say, but look what you got there. Look what you have here. God's going to point out your strengths. What do these feeble Jews? He'll begin to convince you, well, you're not in the right position to get anything from God. You're just, you're just not positioned right. One of my favorite verses in Kings is when they, <laughs> after the Israelites, because they were serving God and worshiping God, they put a whooping on them. And after they put the whooping on them, I think it's a, yeah, 1 Kings 20, 28. Then they, so they started saying to them and began to talk among themselves. And their great idea was, and after they had talked, the man of God repeated what they said. And then came the man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, uh, this saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is the Lord, they're talking about their God, is the God of the hills, but he is not the God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver all them. And so what happened is they got going and they got beat up in the hills and said, well, he's God of the hills, but he's not God of the valleys. And when God heard that, he said, you go ahead and get in the valley and you just watch what I will do. And see, what the devil will convince you of is because right now you're not on the top of the mountain uh, that your God's not able to deliver you. Uh, oh, maybe last year or two years ago or ten years ago when everything was going your way that's when God was in your corner God says are you kidding me I'm not only the God of the mountains I'm the God of the valleys as well I don't care where you are I'll be the lily where there's no, no hope and no joy and no color I'll be right there to pick you up what I'm trying to tell you right now is you got to get rid of the stinking thinking that well I'm just too weak to do anything no get rid of that you are well able you are well able to take the city you are well able you have the power ha huh. turn to somebody say I'm here to stay see that is where the devil gets nervous the enemy don't get nervous because, well, I went to church Sunday morning. He don't want you to be there. But that's not what really makes him nervous. Oh, I read my Bible this past week. He don't like it. But that's not what makes him nervous. You can come and go all you want to. But what he began to say, as you go back to Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 2. We're going to keep going back to that, brother. 4 verse 2. What do these feeble Jews? Then he asks four questions. Three of them have a yes and one of them has a no. What will these feeble Jews do? Will they fortify themselves? See, what the enemy is worried about is not that you went to church. He don't want you there, but that's not what really concerns him. 
what concerns him, are you going to build your life around it? The reason they did not want them to go to church, because they knew if they went to church long enough, they were going to build their life around the church. And that's what they're worried about. Will they fortify themselves? Will they begin to put up walls in their life and say, I'm going to keep some things in, I'm going to keep some things out. That you can go to church and in and out, and if you don't build a wall, you're just a joke to the enemy. He don't care about that. You can come even to Souls Harbor. Yes, yes, right here where I'm pastor. You can say, well, I go to that church. But if all you do is come, you do your little worship, and you leave, but you do not build walls, and you do not fortify yourself, that devil's not scared of you. You need to get something in your spirit that says, I'm not here for just a little service. I'm here to stay. I'm here to build walls. I'm here to fortify my life. Oh, somebody lift your hands right now. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that barriers will come down in people's life tonight. God, I pray that the Holy Ghost will begin to touch people. God, let something begin to happen in the end part of them, the, the most in, the, the depths of their soul, the epicenter of their soul. God, let it happen from their belly. Let them decide, I'm here, and I'm here to stay. I told you to come another time and I'll be my normal sweet self. But just jumping from church to church, the devil ain't scared of you. Oh, I'm just going to try this. Oh, I'm just going to try that. Oh, I'm just going to... No, no. The devil's wants to know. The enemy's saying, will they fortify themselves? Will they begin to put up walls in their life? Will, will they begin to say, I'm not going to be involved with that, and, and this is where I'm going to stay, and, and I'm going to put myself in a position that, that I'm not just going to go here or there. Are you going to fortify yourself? Uh, are you going to build something that's going to last? Not are you going to go get your praise on. Oh, I got my praise on, and woo, boy, I had a good time. And we walk up with no walls, no defenses, no nothing. And the devil goes, oh, what a joke. That's what the devil does. The devil begins to laugh whenever you say, oh, I'm good because I come to church. That ain't nothing to the devil. The devil, the enemy never fought them for just starting the church house and putting a foundation. What they were worried about is they're building walls again. That's what concerned them. It's when you began to put something that's going to last. Let me tell you all something. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The devil would love to keep you just sniffing at the wind. 
Yeah, he would love for you, as the Bible says, to be the wild ass sniffing at the wind. Just, well, uh, where am I going to go next? Uh, I'm just going to, no, no. Uh, he wants you to be the ox that knows his master's crib. Uh, he wants you to be the one uh, that sets your feet. Uh, see, he's not worried about uh, if you pray every now and then. Uh, he wants to know, uh, are they going to establish a prayer life? Uh, are they going to be in the church praying uh, when it's community prayer? Uh, when it's a 24-hour prayer, uh, are they going to be there? That's what they want to know. Not am I going to read the Bible every now and then, but am I going to start a relationship with the Word of God? Am I going to start a relationship with God? Am I really going to build something in my life? Will they fortify? Because that's really the answer to whether or not they're going to be a menace to me or not. You want to know what the devil's looking for? Whether or not he takes you serious when you begin to fortify. I'm purposely saying this is where I am. I'm purposely saying this is what I'm a part of. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. If you're part of another church and you're just visiting here, I'm talking about at your church. I'm talking about where you go somewhere and you establish something and say, I'm here to stay. Not where you're a tree that gets... A tree that just keeps getting plucked up by the roots and put over here for a little while and then put, you're going to stunt your growth uh, and you're probably going to die. Uh, you can't just keep moving here and there and thinking God's going to bless you. Uh, You've got to realize uh, the devil's looking for something. Uh, he's looking for faithfulness. Uh, and that's the same thing God's looking for. Uh, he's looking for somebody uh, that will be faithful, that's going to build some walls. Uh, that's what he's looking for. Oh, we could talk more about it. Will they fortify themselves? And then this, will they sacrifice? Tell you what the devil's worried about is when you begin to sacrifice to the kingdom of God. Not just when you go when it feels good, but when all hell has broken loose. Oh, yeah. When, well, you don't understand what's going on in my life. That's when the devil knows you're serious. The enemy is looking, are they, are they going to sacrifice? Is sacrifice going to be a part of what they're doing? Now, see, I tell you, when you first come to God, you're a little bit in the honeymoon stages. There seems to be this honeymoon stage for, for many people when they first come to God. It's just so, everything's so good. And I tell you, when the Jews first came here, they were sent by the king with all the oxen and all the uh, rams and all the sheep and everything they needed for the sacrifices. But by the time Nehemiah showed up, it had been a few years. Now it was their own crops they were having to bring in. It was their own sheep that they had been raising. And so they're saying, uh, are they really going to sacrifice uh, when it's truly going to cost them something? I want someone to get some grit in your spirit today. Not where you just come and you just enjoy the presence of God. But when it costs you something, the devil knows and God knows that you're here to stay. Sometimes you've got to get skin in the game. Oh, I knew it was going to be quiet, but I didn't know I could hear a pin drop. I really didn't. What the devil's looking for and what God is looking for is sacrifice because both God and the devil knows you're serious 
when you start sacrificing. Will they sacrifice? Will they really give their time to the kingdom of God? Will they really begin to come to church, whether they feel good or not? And I'm not talking about passing nothing on. You got something contagious, you just stay home and watch online. But I just had a bad day. And you say, I'm going to the house of God. Now, let me, let me just explain something real quick. I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm upset at something. or I, God has put this in my spirit There's some, because I think that we've got somewhere, well, I'm just coming to church, and I think God ought to be happy with that. God's saying, well, that's great. I'm glad you're here. But are you fortifying yourself, uh, and are you sacrificing? Uh, because that's when you really begin to stick. Uh, when you get something in it, uh, you begin to stick. I can't remember who I was talking to, uh, somebody I was talking to, and they were telling me uh, when they were uh, young, uh, many many years ago um, they um they went to with someone to the horse races and they walked in and they said that the horses were running and they were like this is going to be the most boring day I've ever seen he said but the very next game he put some money it was like six bucks he put on it he said that that race became a whole nother thing all of a sudden they put something in it and all of a sudden you know, let me tell you something that's true with anything when you begin to put your life into something, all of a sudden it begins to become a part of you. And that's what they knew. They said, listen, if these guys really begin to sacrifice, they're here to stay. That's what I'm worried about. He was talking, saying, listen, they're feeble. They don't have what it takes. But if they get it in their mind that they can build some walls, and if they start sacrificing again, we are in trouble. And I'm here to tell you, there's something about whether you're giving tithes or offerings, that's a sacrifice. It means something uh, to the devil. Uh, he knows you're serious. Uh, when you say, I'm going to give myself uh, to the kingdom of God, uh, I'm going to show up early. I'm going to be one of these ushers. Uh, I'm going to be a greeter. I'm going to get here early. Uh, I'm going to be in the choir. Uh, I'm going to be involved. Uh, and it begins to cost you your sleep uh, and a little bit of rest. Uh, it begins to become a sacrifice. Uh, oh, come on. Uh, that's not the right way to talk about your relationship with God. Uh, oh, really? Uh, the Bible says, uh, unless you take up your cross, daily and follow me you're not worthy of me what Jesus is looking for is are you willing to sacrifice that's what he's looking for I remember preaching years ago right after I read the book the five love languages it's a great book for couples to read but they talk about how you understand Someone's love is how they show love. You want to see how they, they want to receive love. Watch how they show love. Watch how their family shows love to each other. Whether it be they buy little things for each other, they spend time together, or they're always touching each other, physical touch, all these different ways is how people understand love. And they say if, if you came from a, a family that showed love by touching uh, and they came from a family that's always giving gifts, they'll be buying you gifts all the time and you're thinking they don't love me because they never touch me. And on the flip side, they're touching you all the time and you're like, would you please stop touching me and buy me something? Because however you show love is how you want to receive love. And when you understand that, it's a powerful thing. And that's the same thing with God. 
how he showed love is how he wants to receive love. And so how did God show the love? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When God said, I'm going to show love, it's going to be a sacrifice. You want to get God excited about love in him and love with everything inside of you is when you begin to serve him with sacrifice. Not when it's just, oh, it feels good. Not just when, hey, everything's going my way. But when you begin to sacrifice, he says, that's my love language. That's what I'm talking about. That's how I love you. That's how I want you to love me. Pick up your cross and follow me. That's showing me love. I'm hearing, hear me. Both God and the devil is looking not whether or not you just come to church and just worship every now and then. But when you begin to build something and you begin to sacrifice, you want to be connected to the kingdom of God? Begin to put yourself, your mind, your body, your soul, till it becomes a sacrifice. And I'm not talking about just emotions. You find where David, there came a time that he, there were some issues that he had to deal with. And God told him to go uh, give a sacrifice. And so he goes to this place to, to sacrifice. And the guy runs up and realizes it's King David. He's like, listen, you come here. I'll get your stones ready. You can have all of my sheep. You can have all of it. I want to give it to you. And David looked at him and said, oh, no, I will not give anything to God that don't cost me something. And see, that's the key. That's the key. It's not that, oh, I'm doing something that somebody else is doing. If it doesn't cost you something, it's not a sacrifice to you. Everybody's raising their hands, and you just kind of raise your hands. But it's, it, you can tell it's just not a, it's not a sacrifice. So you've got to reach beyond yourself. You got to say, come on, I, I can't just go through the motions just because it, it costs somebody else something. It's got to cost me something. I, I'm not going to give something to God that don't cost me something. Now, listen, I, I told you today I, I, am, I am not going to be just the, the sweet little thing. There are people looking at me right now, and you can't figure out why you don't have a relationship with God, and you refuse to put skin in the game. You refuse to, if it's not comfortable to you, you simply don't do it when it has to do with God. You'll do it for your job. You'll You'll do it for your sex life. You'll do it for all kinds of stuff. You'll go way out of your way to just say, oh, I'm going to go the extra mile. But when it comes for God, you're just like, if it's comfortable, I do it. If it's uncomfortable, I refuse to do it. You will not last in the kingdom of God if you don't put some guts in this thing and say, come on, let me sacrifice. He did so much for me. Why can't I sacrifice for him? I want to stir somebody to your soul. The devil is laughing at you if you think you're going to be here, but you're not willing to sacrifice. Oh, my God. I need to move on because I, oh, Jesus, lift your hands and pray right now. I don't want to beat anybody up, but I want you to realize you got to get in this thing. It can't be for all the feel-good reasons. Come on, talk to him.
You may be seated. Four questions, three yeses, one no. Will you fortify? Better be yes. Will you sacrifice? It needs to be yes. Next question. Will they make an end in a day? No. When I was praying and God brought this to my mind, this is where a lot of people lose it. If it don't happen quick, if it don't just happen the right way, if it can't happen in one service, one moment, I'm done with it. He says, will they make an end? This is still Nehemiah 4 and 2. Will they make an end in a day? 4 and 2. That's, that's the question that the only answer has to be no. No, it's not something that's going to happen in a day. No, it's not something that I'm going to give it one good shot and it's over. No. The Bible says, now go to the next verse you was at. I think it was 4 and 9 or whatever it was you was just at. The Bible says 4 and 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. No, no, it's not going to be done in a day. No, everything's not going to work out in one day. No, it's not going to be the fortified city you're looking for in one day. And if you're looking for a quick in and a quick out, you're not looking for a relationship with God, and you're not looking for the kingdom of God. It takes time to build a relationship with God. It takes time to build something that's going to last. No, it's not going to happen in a day. You've got to be able to look the devil in the eye and say, guess what? I'm going to be here tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Well, didn't you have a bad day today? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm still going to be here tomorrow. It's not a quick fix with me. That's why Matthew 24, 13 says, he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. It's not a quick in, a quick out. As a matter of fact, things that come easy normally go easy. The only things that pop up quick are mushrooms. And while they may make you high, they don't keep you there. Just up and down, up and down. No, you got to say, I'm going to endure some things. I'm going to go through some time and some tests. I'm going to build. I'm going to fortify myself. I'm going to live a life of sacrifice to God. I'm going to teach Bible studies. I'm going to be in the prayer room. I'm going to find a place to serve. I'm going to help people. I'm going to give them my time, talent, and treasure. I'm going to give myself. And then I'm going to do it day after day after day after day. It's not just a one-day thing. No, it's the rest of my life. That's what I'm giving to God. Not just one good service with the Holy Ghost is moving and we're dancing and shouting no every single day. When the devil starts worrying is when you actually start building your life around the church. This is not my normal Sunday morning. I, I know that. And, it, it, and I keep thinking, oh, well. But there's some people that only make it on Sunday morning. And you need to hear it. You know, people, this church isn't here in Bellevue because this is the best place to make lots of money. 
You can. But it's not like, you know, some places in this world. It's Bellevue. You know why we're here? The church. There are people here right now that have had opportunities to go all over the place. But they said, my kids need to be in a strong church. Not that this is the only church in the world, but it's a good one. And once you get roots in it, you should go ahead and let them grow. But this church is here because people begin to build their lives around the church. They, we, we buy homes based on the church. I'm not saying something I preach. I'm just saying something that's happened. People saying, I got to make sure my kids can get to youth things. I got to make sure my, my children can be involved in the things of God. I got to make sure that this is the center of our life. That's why we're here. Why? Why is it here? And why is the devil scared to death of us? Because we have made up in our minds that uh, we are going to fortify ourselves around the church. And then we're going to sacrifice. And then we're going to do it day after day. That's what makes you strong before the Lord. And that's what makes the enemy fear you. Is when you say, I'm putting down some roots and I'm going to stay here and I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to keep doing it and keep doing it. And the other thing, now they, they had permissions from the king to go into the forest. Talk about the king of Babylon, the king of Syria. They had permission to come back and to cut down trees, to get all the new stuff that they wanted. But they said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach down and start building with things that are here. Again, Nehemiah 4 and 2. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? No. Will they revive the stones out of the heap? The rubble which are burned. Let me tell you, when the devil is really scared is when the church decides this is how God gave it to me, two levels. That we're going to reach down and we're going to bring up some old landmarks. We're not just saying, oh, I'm going after the new. We're, we're going back to what Peter preached in the book of Acts. And we're going back to how they lived back then. We begin to revive things uh, that the world has tried to knock down. Uh, and we're coming back and we're reviving these things uh, in our lives. Uh, that's what the devil is worried about, uh, that we begin to revive it. Uh, but the other thing that God put in my heart uh, is that we begin to reach those uh, that have went their way, uh, people that have fallen by the wayside, uh, prodigals that have went, uh, and they're part of just the heap. Uh, they're part of just the rubble. Uh, they're not not even there anymore and we say no I'm not just going to let that stay I'm going to revive the things that have been knocked down and we get on our knees and we reach for people that are unreachable that's what I believe makes the enemy scared is when we begin to take the things that everybody else has given up on and we begin to reach after them and the devil knows they're not here for the quick fix they're not here just for all the new they're willing to get their hands dirty they're willing to get down with somebody uh, that's in a ditch uh, and help them back up. Uh, that's what makes the enemy scared. 
I'm telling you, when we don't just write people off, but we write them a note, say, I'm praying for you and I love you. When we don't just send people down the road, but we pray for them every day. We say, come on, God's able. God can help you through this stuff. Uh, we're not just going to just lay, leave you out there to hang out uh, high and dry, uh, but we're going to help you. Uh, I believe God put it in my spirit. Uh, there's been an influx. Uh, there, there's been a lot of people, uh, and I realize there are some that are out today, uh, but there is this influx, uh, but it's not just coming to church. Uh, we've got to get a hold of ourselves uh, and say, I'm going to fortify our life, my life. Uh, I'm going to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm going to do it day after day uh, and I'm going to reach down uh, and build something back up uh, that had been falling down. Uh, I'm not just going to look and say oh how terrible oh how rough that is uh, but I'm going to build out of the rubble again. And the enemy begins to make plans to take you out. But what you must do in Nehemiah 4.17 it says they got a tool in one hand and a sword in the other. Well, I just want to do one or the other. Well, sorry. I heard a general the other day that made a comment about different things that we're fighting against right now with terrorism and different things. He said, we can say we want it a certain way all we want, but the enemy has a vote. They, they, they don't have to stay in your perfect little plan. And the enemy keeps on coming back at you and keep on coming back at you. Even Jesus, the Bible says, after he was in the wilderness, tempted in the wilderness by the devil 40 days after he left there, the Bible says he left for, the devil left for a time. Just a season, just a little while, I'm coming back to try again. Uh, the enemy just keeps on coming. It keeps on trying. Uh, the enemy comes about. Uh, that lion, uh, it's a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. It keeps coming in, keeps trying to find a way that it can get in, how it can destroy you, how it can put you down. Uh, but we've got to get a hold of ourselves, uh, as in First Peter 5 and 8, uh, and be sober and be vigilant uh, because that enemy is trying to bring us down. Uh, and so we've got to get our heads up. Uh, we got to get a sword in one hand and a tool in the other and say listen I'm in this thing to win this thing I'm in to go all the way I'm not going to stop now I'm not going to give up now I've just started this thing I refuse to give up this is what you need stand with me First Corinthians 15 58. I have a lot of scriptures about this, but I just realized what time it was. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You want to know how you're going to be here? You've got to get steadfast, unmovable. You've got to fortify yourself. You've got to be willing to sacrifice and put some skin in the game. You've got to do it day after day. You've got to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
the work that you do will not be in vain. When you make a decision to serve God and to sink your teeth into the things of God and just to keep moving forward, you are not doing it in vain. You're not just throwing your energy out there, but you are linking up with God. And the only reason you're able to do any of it is because of grace. Ezra and Nehemiah, when you go back to Ezra, when they began to build the temple and began to build the walls, this is what you find, Ezra 9 and 8. And now... For a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord our God. He left us a remnant to escape. There's a way out. He has given us a nail in the holy place. He's given you something that you can hang on to. That our God might enlighten our eyes and give us some relief from this bondage. Yet for a little space, grace. Yet for a little space, grace. Let me tell you why you're here today. The grace of God. You walked in here, stumbled in here, found yourself here. Someone invited you here. It's the grace of God. It's not in ourselves and how great we are. It's the fact that the grace of God has given us an opportunity to stand and to build something. To build your family around the things of God. To fortify your family, your children, your grandchildren in the things of God. He's given you a way of escape. He's given you a nail Something to hang something on in the holy place. He's opened your eyes. That's why they were able to rebuild the walls. It wasn't because of how strong Nehemiah was. It was because grace stepped in. And grace said, take a shot. And then they said, I'm not moving. Grace gave me the opportunity to be in the house of God. And I'm not going to leave the same way that I came. Today, I just want somebody to get something in their spirit that says, I'm not just here for the highs. I'm not just here for the feel goods. I'm here to plant my feet, to fortify myself, to sacrifice, to do it day after day. To rebuild some things that have been broken down in my life. It's time to fortify. In the name of Jesus. No one moving. Bow your heads. Let's begin to pray. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. We're partakers with Christ. If we hold the beginning of the confession steadfast to the end. Oh, Jesus. Come on, you're not a flash in the pan. You're not here for a little while and gone. Come on. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I want us to begin to pray for conviction right now to fall in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for conviction to fall in this house. Uh, somebody pray with me. God, let conviction... 
hit me, hit my brother, my sister. Oh, God, my neighbor right here beside me. God, let conviction. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus' name, Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost is here right now, and there's conviction. I know that you're here, and I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to condemn you and try to act down. I'm just, I'm just wanting you to be able to stay with God all the way. And just coming to church, it's an honor for you to be here. I'm so happy you're here. And the Holy Ghost is speaking to people that this may be your first time, but I believe the Holy Ghost is speaking to people that's been here for years. But you're just kind of here, and you're really not fortifying yourself. You really haven't brought yourself to a place where the enemy takes notice of you yet. Today, I want you to just say, God, what am I doing here? Am I just coming just for the feel good? Am I, am I here for the loaves and the fishes? Am I here just for what I could get out of it? Or am I here to build something in the kingdom of God? Am I here to see the church move with passion and power? To flow in the power of God and me to be in the middle of it? Or just to observe it from the outside? God, I want your spirit. I want it to flow like rivers of living water out of this church. And I want to be a part of it. I want to fortify. I want to build my life around the church. I want to sacrifice. I want to do it day after day. I want to build up the things that's been torn down. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to someone right now. He, uh, That's the altar call from the front to the back. Don't hesitate. Come right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost. Come on. Don't exclude yourself. Jesus. 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 Come on. Come on, that's it. 
Come on, that's it. Move all the way up in the aisles. Don't let people be behind you. Come on, today's a good day just to make that step of faith. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. To be a sanctuary. Let your heart out. Come on, lift your heart to the God. In the name of Jesus. With thanksgiving, Jesus' name, I'll be a living. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, prepare. Hallelujah, Jesus. Be a Come on, that's it. Come on, let God touch you. Come on, God wants you to build something. Come on, you want to build that tabernacle again. You want to build it. Jesus. Ministers, obey God all over this place. Come on, there are people you've been fighting, you've been struggling. It's time for you to take some things serious. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's the Holy Ghost talking to you, sir. Come on, ma'am, that's the Holy Ghost talking to you. You're and holy. Come on, let God put some guts in you today. Don't stop praying. Take some time and talk to God. Let the mercies of God be in your life. That's I'll it. He's here. The mercies of God is here right now. Sanctuary for you. Hallelujah. Come on, God brought you here today, not by accident. He brought you here today to say, come on, you can do this. I'm going to help you do this. If you'll stand for me, if you'll stand for righteousness and godliness, if you'll stand, I'll stand with you. You can fortify. You can sacrifice. You can live day by day. You can build something out of the rubble. Yes, you can. Get a sword in one hand, a tool in the other. You can do it. Come on. Has your prayer cost you something today? Have you prayed until it cost you something today? Oh, Jesus. Have you prayed until you know you fortified your life today? Come on, make the devil tremble. Make heaven rejoice. Hallelujah. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, Lord, pure and holy. I'm tried and true, Lord. With thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Ma'am, right where you're sitting, the Holy Ghost is touching you. Reach after him. Reach after him. Reach after him. I know this is the kind of sermon that don't make you float. It makes you dig down. It doesn't make you just kind of get all puffed up. It makes you dig down in your spirit. 
Oh, Jesus, Jesus. I'm here to stay. I'm not here to try it. I'm not here just to go through the motions. I'm here to plant my feet. Oh, Lord, prepare me, Lord. Lord, prepare. Come on, young people. Let your life be a life of sacrifice for God. Let your life be a life of sacrifice for God. Tried and true. With thanksgiving. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Sanctuary. Oh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Come on. Lord, prepare Don't let the devil convince you that you're too feeble. To Don't let the devil convince you you're not good enough. You've got Lord what it takes. You just got to dig down and say, I'm going to stand. And true. I'm going to leave my family. With I'm going to leave my, husband, my wife, my children. Jesus. Holy Ghost. For you. Oh, the Holy Ghost is moving. To be a sanctuary. The Bible says that whenever the enemy came against them, Nehemiah said, Remember your wife. Remember your children. Remember your houses. He said, Fight for them. He said, You got to look at the bigger picture. That's what's going to help you stand. And so right now, if you're close to a family member, why don't you begin to pray with them right now? If you're close to a husband or wife, a son or daughter, a brother or sister, why don't you begin to pray together right now? Nehemiah said, when you begin to realize it's bigger than just you, it's going to help you fight the fight of faith. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm fighting for my husband, my wife, my sister, my brother. Holy Ghost. Oh Lord, prepare me, Lord. To be a sanctuary. Oh Lord. Come on, that's the Holy Ghost right there. Be renewed in the power of God. Be renewed in the Spirit of God. You're not going to fight alone. You've got a brother, a sister that's going to fight with you. God's on your side. 